Morning. So we are into uh, a new series on what disciples do. And we're going to have this running through till Advent, just before we start preparing uh, for the Christmas season. Um, And we're going to do this by always meeting at 10.30 together and having this kind of contemporary liturgical mix um, as we we come together uh, to do what disciples do, right? Worship God, hear his word, and respond to what he is saying to us. And today we're going to look at those readings that Dave uh, just read, and and the theme, uh, or the, the, the catchphrase word really is, disciples follow Christ. Now, Mike, kind of... You might think, well, that's a given. That's kind of pretty simple, really. Um, But really today, I want us to consider what it is, what the implications are for those who say yes to Jesus. The the whole series of of what disciples do is, is supposed to be challenging us. It's supposed to be prompting us to step in to taking faith seriously, to be making faith more about intellect, more about head knowledge, um, and, and looking at what's the importance of actually doing the things that Jesus instructs us to do. If we look at the church as it stands now throughout the West, we see rather a big problem. Uh, yeah, some of we've got like lower attendance, and, and, and COVID has kind of exacerbated that as people start to consider doing other things and not be part of church. They got used to not being necessarily part of a community, and we've seen some people kind of leave and disperse. Um, we've been pretty fortunate here at St. John that that's not been massive, but but I. I've met people whose congregations have shrunk in half um, because people have just got so used to doing their own thing and not being part of community, not doing a simple thing that Jesus said to do, which is gather in his name. But why, other than COVID, is this a thing? Uh, Well, I think partly it's down to society drifting or or moving further and further away from the principles of the gospel the principles of the things that Jesus talks about and instructs us to get on with and there's a disconnect when we look at that with what the church should be standing for and teaching and some churches have drifted a little bit and become a little bit more akin to society and others have tried to separate themselves from society. And the idea is not to do either of those, but to be walking alongside and helping to shed the light. To be salt, which just the kind of just after Dave finished reading in Luke, uh, uh, Jesus goes on to talk about the saltiness. And if salt loses its taste, then what good is it? But I think the church is really suffering at this moment because there seems to be an acceptance of having 
kind of shallow faith. And non, a non-committal from people. So it's like you get, you get to just do your thing and then attend on a Sunday. And that's okay. And, and I guess I want to ask what is really the attraction to anybody who's looking at seeking a relationship with Jesus, becoming part of a community of followers? What's really the attraction if, if the only difference to their life is going to be their Sunday schedule. Many people within the church across the world are not acting in line with what they claim to believe. Yeah? Many times we say, what do we believe as disciples? Well, Jesus talks a whole lot about what we should do, and we seem to have lost some of that. The disciples, true followers of Jesus, they need to be really impacted by this relationship that comes from saying yes to following him. It should be evidenced in their life. This relationship should be evidenced in everything that they do. There should be a change to how we all would relate to money, how we would relate to work, how we would relate to sex, how we would relate to earthly relationships. Everything, everything should be different as a result of saying yes to Jesus in everything that we act on. And when we think about things in this way, I've got to ask a question of, just to ponder how authentic is our faith? How authentic is my faith, I ask myself. How authentic is your faith? How authentic is the church's faith worldwide? When we ask these questions and we line up with, actually, what is it that we're doing? Because we are called as Christians, as disciples, followers of Jesus, to take faith seriously. And when we look at the church across the world, I actually see a lot of non-serious, uncommitted faith practice, if you could call it that. Because we're called to be imitators of our master. We're called to imitate Jesus Christ. And he calls us to be his disciples. He calls us to show the world that in responding to him with a resounding yes that we are going to show love. But that we are also going to speak truth in love. We're not going to condemn them. That's not our job. We're not going to shout from the rooftops all the things that they're doing wrong. That's not our job. Our job is to tell them the truth in love. And that's difficult. Anyone who's a parent of little kids or has been will know just how difficult that is. Because you can't go too far to punish when they do something wrong because you want them to learn. But you want them to be able to grow in that so that they can then live into what is the right way to do things, the truthful way to do things. See, we've got to be recognized as followers of Jesus by our actions. Not 
simply identified by our beliefs. Following Jesus isn't meant to be easy. It's not meant to be easy, but it isn't meant to be complicated. It's actually pretty simple. That's what Jesus is getting at when, he re, when he's speaking in today's reading from Luke. And when he says the words, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. When you read that right there, you might think, well, that's a pretty harsh statement. That's a pretty harsh statement. That's kind of verses 26 and 27. When you think of Christian values, as they're described very much in terms of of family values, they kind of align. It's like, where do they come from? They come from Jesus' teachings. The need to love and not to hate. The importance that's placed on family. And then here Jesus is saying, if you don't hate your family, you can't be my disciple. That's kind of taking things to the ultimate level. Yeah? To be a disciple of Jesus is going to cost. It's going to cost. It's going to cost everyone who chooses to climb into the boat and become a fisher of men. And if we're looking at today, in the way that we live our lives, I ask you, if there was a presidential candidate who ran on the promise to increase your taxes, to lower your wages, to take away your home, and to encourage you to give everything that you love away, I'm guessing you wouldn't vote for them. But isn't that what Jesus just said? But if you were on a humanitarian mission and the person who was leading that mission proclaimed on the path ahead, it's going to be too difficult. You're halfway there maybe. And it's like everything that you care about, all of your personal possessions, drop them. Only carry the things that are important to the people we're going to care for. Only take the medical supplies that that village needs. I'm guessing you might be more okay with that and do it on the spot. See, Jesus is not saying here that he wants to make life more difficult. He's not saying, like the uh, political leader example, I want to make it challenging for you. That's not what he's saying. He wants you to make the choice to follow him in his mission. He wants you to make the choice to leave behind that which is not essential to the kingdom. And the really, really difficult thing for us in in, in the Western context that we find ourselves is that to be Jesus followers, we've got to prepare to take up our cross. We've got to prepare to carry the cross. And those who do not carry the cross, Jesus says it, you can't follow me. You can't be my disciple if you don't take up the cross. And that's not some kind of throwaway remark. 
Because in the time of Jesus, people knew exactly what that meant. That meant you've got to be ready for a pretty nasty death. And there's kind of lots of buzzwords around the carrying of the cross in today in the Christian world. And if we're not able to really show what it means to carry the cross, then we're really going to leave the world behind. They're not going to be able to go with us. And Paul writes, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? As we imitate Jesus and we're his followers and we're sharing that light, we're sharing that light to the world, that's what people are attracted to and they're going to follow you as you follow him. And as people start to follow you in their way to getting to know Jesus better, that puts you in a really important position because you've got to care for their soul. You're influencing their decisions. They're looking at what you do to see how they should live their life. The the message of the gospel isn't a puzzle. It's a clear picture. I remember when you talk about the, the carrying of the cross, hearing a story of a friend who was listening to a speaker who'd come to talk, um, share about their work for the kingdom. But this this person, all they could hear was a guy talking about a cross-eyed bear. A cross-eyed bear. So the message was lost. The emphasis on that buzz language, it had gone. There was no, nothing learnt by that person because they just thought this bear needed glasses. I mean, we, we've got to be very clear and very concise about what we mean and what we say and we've got to back it up by what we do. We've got to back it up by what we do. Because those who want to seek Jesus look at us they look at us and what we do and predominantly in the world today people care more about what we do than what we say we believe and that's where Jesus goes on into the next part of this passage when he says for which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation and it's not able to be finished, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and he's unable to finish. And he goes on to share another example of a king going to war and examining whether he has enough men to actually win the war. And if he doesn't, because he's only got 10,000 against 20,000, then he's going to send an envoy to make peace because that's the sensible thing to do. See, this is Jesus. He's instructing those who are listening and he's instructing us through this text to make inroads, to, to, to take the first step, but to be aware of what the cost is going to be. Don't just set out blindly, but actually... 
consider the cost. Yeah? Think about that building of a tower. If you don't got enough money to finish, then don't start. I remember some years ago driving around Cyprus, showing Jody the place I was born, the place I grew up. And it's amazing how many houses are unfinished in Cyprus. But they're unfinished on purpose. They've got rebar sticking out the roof because then they can claim it's not finished. It's a building project, so their taxes are lower. Yeah? That wouldn't fly here, would it? <laughs> Piece of rebar. Oh, it's not a house yet. You can't charge me my taxes. But are they purposefully unfinishing things? But we've got to be purposefully unfinished as people. We've got to know that we're not, we're not the finished article, but not in the way that we pay less, but in the way that we pay more. Because the cost is to carry our cross. The cost is to give our all for Jesus. And the biggest building project at the time when Jesus is talking would have been the temple. And every single person who heard him would have probably thought about the temple, I expect. And the, the work that Herod the Great had started and his sons had picked up. And they're, they're, they're trying to have this great building that's going to give glory to God. But it's unfinished and it's taking forever. And people are like, how long is this going to take? The temple was the most important building in Jerusalem. And in a few years after Jesus said these words, it was going to become rubble. And Jesus had spoken many times and would speak again after this on, on how the temple had been used in a bad way. How the temple wasn't fulfilling the purpose that God meant for the temple when David had originally built it. And before that, re repairs and, and rebuilding was being done by Herod. And it was being done by Herod in a, in a sense of proud. Look at what I've done. And Paul talked a bit about that in the letter to the Philippians that we heard today. Some will preach for their own sake and some will preach for the sake of those who hear. And then for us, today, here, St. John, when you hear Jesus talking about a building and making sure you've got enough money to finish it, you might be thinking about where you're sat. You might be thinking about the campus as a whole, a project which, when we started it, at first, we thought, this is, this is, this is doable, very easily doable. And then it's grown, and it's grown. And it requires more questions to be asked. It requires more space to be given to looking at what is God saying to us right now in this? What's he trying to, to, to push us toward? Where is he directing us? And are we willing to give our all 
to following him in faith, knowing he will provide as we do so. It's quite funny how God works on things because this, this sermon series had been planned toward the beginning of the year before we were even aware of many of these issues that, that would have been around St. John and we're talking about buildings and we're talking about what we do, not what we believe and how we show the world what we believe through what we do and a lot of that is tied up in the building. I was talking to someone this morning just about things like, well, we want the community to use the building. We want to be an inviting space, and we can't be an inviting space if we're a building site. We can't be an inviting space if we've got walls falling down and black stains all over the walls. People are not going to, that's, that's going to be the thing they're attracted to, and they're not going to concentrate on the real reason they'd come. They're not going to be concentrating on the real reason they would sit in a pew. Because disciples would come to worship. They'd come to hear God's word and they'd come to respond to it. And if I was to have someone behind me, kind of, I don't know, the first thing that came to my mind, sorry, Jody, was a clown. <laughs> and if there was a clown behind me doing stuff right now, you wouldn't be paying much attention to what I'd say. You'd be really distracted. Yeah, some people get distracted if the cross isn't central and that's all they can concentrate on. And there's some things we laugh at. They're like, well, why, why should that matter? But those simple things do matter. We want people to be able to concentrate on the reason they're coming. And that is to hear God's word, to respond to it, and then to go and live out their life doing what disciples do for the rest of the week. We're reminded here that we need to be willing to give everything up. That we need to be ready to follow Jesus in all things. Everything. Even when we don't necessarily want to. When we don't like the requirements. When, when we don't understand the outcome. That's what living in faith is. Giving it to him and following You ever driven in a convoy and, and lost the leader? And you don't know where you're going? Pre-GPS? <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm, I'm, usually, I'm usually kind of pretty anal about using my turn signals, you know, and going around the roundabout the, the right way and showing people which lane I'm, where I'm going to leave the roundabout before I even get to it with my turn signals. Um, I remember once I was being followed by Jody's brother who had no idea where he was going. And, and he asked the question, does he always use his turn signal that much or is it just because I'm following him? But actually, he really needed to know where I was going because he had no idea. As we follow God, he's using his turn signal, but are we looking for it? Or are we con trying to think, oh, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Oh, I can get there a different way. <laughs> yeah, I ignore my GPS and say, that's not the way I want to go today. <laughs> but, can, but how many people say, ignore God, that's not the way I want to go today? Yeah, following Jesus is about giving everything. Everything that you've got. Everything that's possibly able to be given. 
Not, 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 not being lukewarm, not being non-committal, as I talked about at the beginning. It's about seriously putting in the effort. Yeah? yeah I'll hear people say today, oh, I'm saved by grace. That means I can do whatever I want because grace abounds. That kind of misses the big point. Because our faith should impact the way that we live our life. The grace which we receive, we're supposed to allow to bubble over so that others can experience it too. It's for sharing, it's not for keeping. That's what disciples do. And it can be exhausting. But it's more exhausting trying to follow Jesus while at the same time not letting go, not letting your life be his. Because actually it's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus and actively choose to look at another person or another thing as being master. We try to do this, we do. We become conflicted. What's the most important thing? And ultimately, we become torn apart. Because the winner in that situation, when we allow ourselves to get there, the only winner is the enemy as we're torn apart. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus has started a good work in every single one of you. Whether you're sat here today, whether you're watching online at any point, he started a good work in you when he called you to follow him. Whatever stage of that following you're at, that work has begun. And if you said yes, if you said yes, you've got to live into that yes. You've got to be all in for Jesus. Yeah? If you're playing poker, you've got the best hand. Nobody can beat you. Going all in, you're only going to win more. You're only going to be further down that road. He doesn't want you to be 20%, 40 70%, 75%. I'll keep a few chips by just in case. He wants you to go all in. And I know it's not easy. And I stand here as someone who is a work in progress. But that's what Jesus is telling us to do. When he says, hate your brother and your sister, your mother and your father. He's not saying, like you might say, I hate broccoli. <laughs> Don't go there. He's saying, I want you to love it less than you love me. So if ever there came to a time when you need to make the decision, it's going to be an easy one because you're going to choose the thing you love more. That's how you be a disciple of Jesus, by loving him more than anything else. And where you struggle with that, you work on it. You pray on it. You seek help 
on it from your fellow disciples who get it, understand it, and can relate to you, even if it's not the same thing that the struggle to give up is. We all have struggles where we try to give Jesus a little lower level than maybe he deserves. Because Jesus began that good work, and he will bring it to completion. Scripture is clear on that. He will bring it to completion. So, I guess questions today. What's God bringing to your mind? My prayer for all of us is that we, that we recommit to following Jesus. Not just to worshiping him, but to following him. To laying out everything on the side, to take up the cross, to, to in the same way that Paul writes to the Philippians, and we heard it today, that we know love and that it overflows with knowledge to help us determine what is best. And the answer to every question that's ever asked in church is Jesus. That's what's best. So I'd like to invite the band to come back up to help us through our response time. And we get ready to, to, to respond in that way. Just, just these few questions. Are you ready to lift up the cross once more? Are you prepared to put Christ above everything to go all in for Jesus? What is it, the thing that you're struggling to give up? Be praying on that. Be seeking his guidance on that. Be asking for his strength because you can't do it in your own. Because that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to follow him, to be his disciple. And the only way we can do that as Jesus told us in our reading today, is to love him more than everything and be prepared to actually be treated pretty badly because we accept him, we choose him, and we take up our cross, as he says. So spend time in prayer, spend time hearing the words of the band sing, sing along with the band, but respond to him before we come in communion.